0: hey listen this is old times i miss tommy when he left uh, edgewater we served together he and his wife gretchen through the pandemic and uh, god was doing a lot of things on that journey and then uh, when he said he had to go back to first baptist i was like don't leave me tommy (laughs) so i followed him (laughs) but it's so good to see all of you in the house of the lord acts chapter 16 is where we're going but i'm really excited to be able to share with you today and Oftentimes when we have these moments, we just thank God for us getting back together. So let's give God a hand clap of praise just for bringing us all back together. Man, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. We thank God for you, to my brothers and sisters in Christ, of course, to Pastor Chad. Now, you guys don't know this, Pastor Chad and I, we've had conversations. We're the kind of friends where we pick up where we left off. And when we first met each other, someone said to me, you remind me of Pastor Chad. So then we had this debate, was he the black Mark Johnson and I'm the white? pastor Chad or vice versa so we then we met each other for the first time and we looked at each other and we stood our sleeves were rolled up the same way <laughs> and I said and we said to each other I know why your sleeves are rolled up and I was like tell me he said because we can't find sleeves long enough to fit our arms so we just rolled them up <laughs> any other any other believers have that problem as well any other thank you two hands one are you back there This is a moment that God has for us. My wife is here. My mother-in-law from Pittsburgh is here. All my kids are here. So just give them a round of applause just for putting up with me. They got to put up with me. We thank God for all of you. Then all my colleagues at, at Princeton Theological Seminary. I, I see Dr. Butler. We're doing some work together. I know my dean is around here somewhere, Dr. Rice and his family and all of you. I see your faces. Oh, my goodness. The Higgamans. It's just amazing to be able to stand. Some of the students are here as well. It's good to see you all as well. Great job this semester. It was tough. A great job. But we just thank God for this opportunity just to pour into us for these few minutes. Um, God is doing some amazing things in all of our lives. And as we reach these moments, every now and then we get a chance to look back to see all that God has done. And our desire to move forward is so important that we just pause and say, Lord, I thank you for bringing me this far. Amen. Hasn't been easy. We've had some challenges along the way. This pandemic pulled on us in so many different ways, shapes and forms. But yet God still wants us to stay focused on that great commission. It wasn't a great suggestion. It was a great commission where he pushes us and says, hey, listen, I need you to go and make disciples. Your pastor has been dealing with minor prophets, and I'm dealing with a major prophet who considers himself a minor prophet. That's the Apostle Paul. He was someone who we hold up real high, but I like him so much because he was just a cool dude. He always said I was the worst of the worst. I wasn't all that. I, you know, what I did, I can't believe that God is using me, and anybody like that I can hang out with. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be with people who think they're all that and a bag of chips. You know anybody like that? If you, you, are you sitting next to somebody like that? <laughs> we just want to be reminded that God doesn't have to use us. He can use anybody to carry forth this message. But anytime he calls us, we got to say, thank you, Lord, and be grateful for all that he has done in our lives And Acts chapter 16 lays a sure foundation for us to grab hold of and really be able to see that maybe, just maybe, watch this, God can use my challenges for his glory. When we think about, and I'm an evangelism professor, and so I teach that you're supposed to talk the gospel and speak the gospel and let people know the gospel. But every now and then, God wants us to show the gospel. It's these layers of which God uses so many different nuances in our lives to remind us that, yeah, show them my love. We've got a great picture with Jesus Christ who put on flesh for us and demonstrated to us this wonderful gospel that we all share today. But there may come some elements when God is chasing people and he wants to use us to reach them, and we're not going to talk them to the faith. we got to show them the faith first. And then we're able to communicate. Acts chapter 16 is interesting because the first five past verses there really deals with a way that we want to connect with people. Timothy comes on to the scene. Paul's introduced to Timothy. And Timothy has a great foundation, right? Timothy has a grandmother, Eunice, and a mother, Lois. I think it's switched around. Lois and Eunice, one of those two. <laughs> and in this relationship, Timothy has a complete picture of who Jesus Christ is. So much so that Timothy, Paul says, I want Timothy on my team. And now Paul circumcised Timothy and Timothy joins Paul along the way. Let me just say that again. Paul circumcised Timothy. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm like, Lord, I love you. But man, I'm sorry, it's too early, I know. Pastor Chad will be back next week. Just hang on. You got you to deal with me today. And so we have Timothy. Everybody keep Timothy right here because we're able to pour into Timothy. Now we have Timothy. But now here comes the next point. Those next five verses in Acts 6 through 10, Paul is so excited about doing ministry. He wants to go and share the gospel everywhere. He wants to run out to Asia. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit prevents him from going there. He wants to run out to Bithynia and he wants to go up north and share the gospel, but he's prevented again. And then he gets the Macedonian call. When he gets the Macedonian call, it gives him direction as to where he's supposed to go. And oftentimes we too are excited about the Lord. We want to share him with everybody we know. And yet the Lord is still steering us where he wants us to be. You have to be open for that. And this is going to hurt. You have to be flexible with the Lord as well. You have to be willing to go in places where he, you may not have signed on your five-year plan that you wanted to do. You may have to switch careers and shift places. You were hoping to be in one place and stay there and be faithful and consistent. But God says, no, 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 no. we're going over here because there's some people I need you to get. Lydia's over here. Those next verses, after you get through with verse through 10, you go through 11 through 15, we run into Lydia. Paul takes this Macedonian trip, and now he runs into these women of prayer. Unlike Timothy, Lydia is incomplete. Timothy's complete. His mother was Jewish. She's a believer. She teaches. Grandmother teaches him. But Lydia is a worshiper of God. Paul goes and speaks the gospel of Jesus Christ to her. The Bible says that her heart is open. And now Lydia and her entire families gets baptized. So now we have Lydia on the team. So when we fill out our annual report, we can say we have Timothy. We have Lydia on our team. I know some of you got it. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) But there is a group of people that the Lord wants us to get. There's a Roman jailer that needs to be to hear about the gospel. They, they don't want to talk about it. Here, we're pushed a little bit because now we have to show them the gospel first before they hear it. Come on, let's stand to your feet all across the sanctuary. We're looking at Acts chapter 16. We're really going to examine what happens to Paul on his way there. Find out inside the text, there's this young slave girl who's possessed. She's following Paul. She's pointing at him saying, these are the men that can lead us to salvation. These are the men that can lead the servants of the Most High. They lead us to salvation. And she follows them day after day after day after day. Paul looks at the spirit inside of her and said, come out of her. That spirit comes out of her. And now, all of a sudden, she's not worth much to the community They can't make money off of her anymore. Then what happens next? Grab Paul. They grab Silas. They beat them. Let's look at verse 22. Verse 22, we're going to go through 30. Verse number 22. The crowd rose up together against them. The chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. Verse 24, and he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison, and fastened their feet in the stock. 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26, and suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. Verse 27, when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Verse 28, but Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Verse 29, and he called for lights and rushed in. Trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul in silence, verse 30. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So i want to talk about the show and tell of the gospel. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for this word. Let it lift our hearts and challenge our spirits. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. You may be seated. The show and tell of the gospel, that's the, so hard to do. I'll be honest with you. You know, I've been in ministry now 28 years. I'm a third-generation preacher's kid. I've been pastored three churches in my lifetime, spent time overseas, chaplain for sports franchises, played professional basketball, and, and every mark of the road, every place where I've had to show the gospel has been hard. You have to love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. You have to do those things because it's showing the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you do it, people will call you weak at times. There will be other ways you can handle things. But when you walk with the Lord, you signed up to say, Lord, I'm with you every step of the way. may have some tear-stained nights, and I know that many of us do. Sometimes we cry ourselves to sleep holding on to this gospel that we love and treasure so dear. It brings tears to our eyes when we see hatred and things that are happening throughout society. But yet, We have a small role to play in our lives as we walk with the Lord. I'm really excited when I look at the text because I see what happens to Paul. I see what happens to Silas, and I can hear the voice whispering to us in the midst of the challenges that we face. Make no mistake about it. Everybody in this room has something you've had to fight through, you're fighting through, or you will have to fight through along the way. Oh, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me your secret stuff. I know that all of us have things inside of our hearts and minds that are unspoken, and yet we know that God can still use the most difficult challenges in our lives to bring forth His glory. And Paul says, I got three things you need to do when it gets tough in your life. Three things that you need to hold on to, When times get difficult, when you want to throw in the towel, when you're ready to give up, three things you need to keep in mind as you're going through what we're going through. First, check with your neighbor and make sure they got something they're going through. Just check. Ask them real quick. Ask them. Ask them. Just ask them. Again, Pastor Chad will be back next week, so relax. (laughs) Everybody has something that you're going through. Why? Because God is trying to grow us. He doesn't want us to stay the same. And inside our text, we see that we have Timothy, nice and easy. We have Lydia, a little more challenging. But to get this jailer, it's going to cost something. And in this case, we find that Paul finds himself in difficult challenges. But instead of complaining, I didn't mean to scream. I just wanted to instead, instead of being upset and angry and bitter, The Bible says in verse number 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. What's wrong with them? What is it that they can face some of the difficult moments in their lives, and somehow, some way, a praise comes out of Paul and Silas? So the first thing you need to put in your bank account when you're going through things in your life is worship. Would you scream worship in somebody's ear? No, I'm just kidding. Don't do it. Worship is on deck when you're facing the difficult challenges in your life. And I'm not talking musicians. I'm not, I'm not talking. I'm Here, worship here can be described as you just keep God above everything you're going through. When you worship the Lord, you're saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm holding you in high esteem because you are in control of everything that I'm going through. The reason why I can worship is because you know what you're doing. And I trust you in the challenges. I trust you in the abuses. I trust you in the heartache. I trust you in the pain. I'm not the kind of worshiper that just worship you when things are going well in my life. I'm the kind of worshiper that can praise you when things are difficult. As a pastor, I've been in hospitals where people had their, were about to breathe their last breath. And all they want to do is sing their favorite song. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. At the cross, at the cross, where our first song. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Whatever your song is, make sure that you're able to pull it up at any time. Does everybody have a song? Let me see. Does everybody have your song? Thank you. You've got to know what your song is because you need to pull that out your pocket when things get tough. And Paul and Silas pull out worship because inside of their heart, they're reminded in this moment that no matter what, it can lift me up and bring me where I need to be. So not only does it affect them, this worship, it also affects the surrounding circumstances. Listen, we just taught uh, worship leadership with Dr. Woodward here two weeks ago, and we polled all our students. We said, hey, tell me your favorite place to worship your favorite place to worship, just let me know. And in that moment, we find the student, only 10% of our students said that in the church was their favorite place to worship. Everybody else was going for a walk outside, in a boat, driving, flying, hunting. uh, That's a long story. I don't know about that. Hunting and all those different things. As a matter of fact, most of your best worship happens outside of the church anyway. And I'm so glad about it because I don't, I'm so glad that worship is not limited to these four walls. If it was, then Paul would not be able to worship. But the Bible says that they're worshiping and singing praises unto God. So worship has to be a part of it. And here's the good thing. You don't even have to be able to sing. Any non-singers in here? You are the best worshipers. Listen, I watched a person sing before I actually heard them sing. So I was across the, the, the I'll say his name, Dr. Chuck Kelly. Anybody know Dr. Chuck Kelly? I just, <laughs> he's going to kill me. I hope he's not watching. <laughs> when you see Dr. Kelly singing on stage, he's just letting it out to the Lord. I actually had an opportunity to get on stage with him. And what came out of his mouth was what, not what I expected. I looked at Tech Telly, he looked at me as if to say, I'm not singing to you anyway. (laughs) In the Bible, it says they were singing praises unto God because there's a difference. And you want worshipers in your atmosphere that are not singing to you. I know your worship team, they're not singing to you. I know Tommy, he's not singing to you. When he opens up his mouth to sing, he's singing to the Lord. And it makes a difference. So if you can't sing, who cares? Let it rip. Gabriel has a way of taking, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So worship is a huge part. Now, here's why worship is so important. Because it aligns your vertical relationship with God so that now you can have a horizontal relationship with your brothers and sisters. Why is that important? Because number two, you worship, now you have to wait. You have to wait on God to move. We can't get ahead of the Lord. We have to wait on him to move. And the Bible says that an earthquake came. Look at the next verse. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. You know what that means for me. Time to get out of here. (laughs) The Lord has answered my prayer. You remember Acts chapter 12, don't you? In Acts chapter 12, James, the brother of John, was killed. Herod was excited and grabbed Peter. When he grabbed Peter, he put Peter in prison. And the church was in Mary's house praying for Peter. Acts chapter 12. What happens? He sleeps between all these soldiers. He's sleeping. An angel comes, taps him on the shoulder, slaps him, walks him through the gates, continues through a door. The door open, Peter's out. Peter goes back to Mary's house, knocks on the door. Rhoda's there. Remember young Rhoda? He's, I'm here. She panics, goes in and she says, hey, Peter's outside. They say, no, we don't believe it. But keep reading. Because the next day comes. Herod investigates the jailers. You were responsible for holding Peter and you're out. As a result, after the investigation, Herod orders that those men are executed. Now let's go to Acts chapter 16. Because Paul understands the dynamic. He gets what happens next. And if you look at the text, it says that, verse 27, when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword, thinking about Acts 12:19, where the other men were executed, and he was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. He expected... Paul to be like everybody else. There was an anticipation that Paul's going to respond like everybody else. So I might as well kill myself. I don't need to worry about it. And then in the atmosphere, Paul breaks his expectation. Look at the next verse, verse number 28. Paul cried out. I love the way Luke writes. Luke, the writer of Acts, is really not writing to us. He's writing to an audience of one, Theophilus, who needs to get some information. And inside the text, Luke lets us know on the inside. He said, Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. We're not leaving like everybody else is going to leave. We're not about to escape. He rightly interprets the earthquake because his passion for others is so big. Paul didn't think about himself and ran out, run out like I might have. He stays because he cares about this gospel that needs to go into this man's heart. I can't let him die. He does not have eternity secure. And so Paul breaks his expectation. Question, have, do we break expectations as Christians? How are we doing when people are expecting you respond like everyone else? Yes, George Floyd was an incident, but I can get on my knees and pray for the officers and his family as well. Expectations. And when God gives you an opportunity to pray and break expectation, he's doing something in the kingdom of God for all of us. So there are some people you haven't talked to in years. Break the expectation. There's some people you're still holding a grudge with because of what they did to you as a child. Maybe your mother, maybe your father. Break these expectations and let the gospel shine through. Because when you do that, something happens in the atmosphere where God aligns with you. God sees and acknowledges it. Now, let me just say this. This man is not guaranteed to accept Jesus Christ, but Paul wants to at least give him a chance by breaking the expectation that we're leaving. And he says, I'm still here. We are all here. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. Some of you haven't slept in a long time. Please call someone up and tell them, don't harm yourself any longer. We are all here. We're not going anywhere. The gospel compels me to stay. The gospel compels me to love. The gospel compels me to forgive. Had an African-American church pastored in Cleveland, Ohio. There for 10 years, led our church from the National Baptist to the Southern Baptist Convention. Had white missionaries from all over the place coming to our church. We had a large edifice, 1,000-seat theater, 1,000-seat sanctuary. We had all the booths. We had missionaries coming in. They were sending the bunk beds in. We were a housing place. It was difficult for my church because they kept saying, isn't that a racist organization? They kept saying that over and over again. I turned it into my demon project and began to study the Southern Baptist Convention. And I started seeing God moving in some powerful ways. And then I started breaking expectations. I don't care if they are or not. If God is glorified, praise His name. If God be lifted up, praise His name. And we saw the community begin to turn because we were breaking the expectations and men, women, boys, and girls were accepting Jesus Christ all because we didn't care what you look like. We just know we had to be obedient to Jesus Christ. All of us are going to have those moments where we're going to have to make decisions to break the expectation. So whatever expectations people have of you, follow Christ and you will not go wrong. So watch this. Paul breaks the expectation and saves his life physically. And then the man said, save me spiritually. Look at the text. After Paul says, we are not here, do not harm yourself, verse 29, and he called for lights and rushed in and, and trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas, and after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Wait a minute, Paul just saved your life. Wait a minute, Paul just delivered you. You don't have to worry about that sword that you were about. What are you talking about? God was working in his heart all along. And all somebody had to do was show the gospel one time. And when Paul showed the gospel by staying in place, we went from saving his physical body to saving his spiritual body. Now here's where the evangelism can come in. Now you can evangelize because you have a captive audience. You have positioned yourself to now be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep showing the gospel everywhere you go. I know they're going to look at you strange. Just keep showing the gospel. Just show it. There will be a moment where you tell them, because look, what happens? Paul, I know he got excited here. When you hear, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, they said, Paul and Silas, he said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. So it wasn't just one person, his whole household. Now we got Timothy, his house was taken care of. We got Lydia, her house was taken care of. Now we have this jailer. And his house it's taken care of. Look at the text. Keep reading, verse 31. They say, believe on Lord Jesus, 32. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in the house. Praise his name. Now watch what happens. We know that something happened inside this man. This wasn't just I signed up to come down and I want Jesus into my life. Transformation happened inside of him. How do we know? The text tells us. Next verse, verse 33. And he took them. That very hour of the night washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and his whole household, verse 34, and he brought them into the house and set food before them and rejoiced. Are you kidding me? We can't do that. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have the capacity to legalize you to be what God wants you to be. God does something in the hearts and minds of people. And because Christ comes in, a transformation can take place. It's not up to me. It's, my job is to do what God's called me to do. God's job turns it around and touches someone's heart and transforms them from the inside out. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking at brothers and sisters right now. Things you used to do, I hope you don't do anymore because you have Jesus in your life. I hope you did just sign up and get baptized. I hope that, you, that your wife can say you're different. Your children can say you're different. Your family and on your businesses, they can say you're different. Here's why. Because you accepted Christ into your life. And yes, your life is difficult. And yes, your life is tough. And yes, we have challenges. But man, when we joined up and said, we're going to be with God I live and for God I die, circumstance may have stayed the same, but our hearts have been changed because Jesus has filled us and made us new. Can I get one amen on that? Amen. <laughs> so here we are. Paul, job well done. You've completed this, the task. You stayed unselfish long enough to get this jailer. Great job with Timothy. Proud of you. Great job with Lydia. Good job. Fantastic job with how you had to get this jailer. So, Worship. Wait, and then you witnessed, and things began to change. Now, here's one piece that I get in trouble with, but I'm still going to go here anyway. If you keep reading the text, after worship has taken place, after witnessing has taken place, and after the waiting and witnessing has taken place, the next day, Paul's set to be released. Look at the text. Verse 35, now when the day came, the chief magistrates sent their policemen saying, release those men. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the chief magistrates have sent to release you. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. Verse 37, but Paul said to them, they have beaten us in public without trial. Men who are Romans and have thrown us into prison and now... Are they sending us away secretly? Oh, no, you will not, sir. No, indeed. But let them come themselves and bring us out. In other words, Paul said, they didn't treat me right. But watch the order of it, though. The order was worship, wait, witness, and then fairness. Oftentimes, we want fairness so fast that we forget about worship. We forget about waiting on God, and we forget about witnessing. So we lose the jailer because we're such in a hurry because it was not fair. Did me wrong. He did me wrong. She treated me wrong. It was not fair what he did to me. My husband was unfaithful, and I was abused as a kid. It's It's not right. Worship, wait on God. Witness, and then you'll be able to. And oftentimes, we as a church have to be reminded that worship comes first. If there's any place where you're able to cast your cares, it got to be in here. It got to be at your home where worship becomes the primary source for all that we do and say. I'm sorry, but sometimes we want justice so fast. We want fairness so fast. We want it so fast that we forget maybe just maybe God has a plan in all this. And if we can connect to the plane and be the kind of game changers, we can change it all. I'll close with this: play professional basketball in Europe. First day of practice, get off the Lufthansa they take me to the owner's house. He owned the house. and stayed there and took me over to practice in Augsburg, Germany. While I was over there, showed up for practice. Man, I was excited and with the team. I got to practice, boy. whoo. You guys are players. Pass the ball. Shoot a three. They were dunking the ball, everything else. I'm sorry if you're not sports fans, but I'm sorry I'm gone there. I can't come back. (laughs) Sorry. you're like, somebody's like, oh, sports. Husbands are like, yeah, sports. (laughs) Three of them. Okay, so great practice. Time for the game. We drive out to some place that ended in Berg. I don't know what's it, Berg. something Berg. Get off off the, the bus, we go to the game, and those same shots they were making in practice, they were missing in the games. I was trying not to get upset. (laughs) Here, I get double teamed, I pass it to my teammate. He looks and passes it back to me. I'm like, dude, I'm double teamed. You're the one that's open. Shoot the ball. And then I realized there's a difference between practice players and game players. The lights were too bright. They couldn't handle the pressure. They couldn't handle the news writers. They couldn't handle the fans in the stand. They couldn't handle the pressure. And so when the ball came to them, they froze and passed it back to me. I have no problem shooting. <laughs> I pray that we're not practiced Christians. I pray that we're not great Christians in this worship setting. I pray that we're not great Christians in the Bible setting and our Bible study groups. I pray when it gets tough. Your marriage is facing challenges. You don't know how financially you're going to pull things out. When you hit that wall and you really don't know how God's doing it, that you're strong enough to stand there and worship, wait, and witness. May we be the kind of people who are more than just intellectually sound, but we're able to put it into practice and watch God do some amazing things. Woe be unto me as a professor. If my students get A's in the classroom and they flunk in ministry. Woe be unto my students if they, they and I tell them this all the time, if you graduate here, praise the Lord, but you got to be a good dad. You got to be a good mother. You, you got to be able to do both. Don't just be a practice player because the enemy has a strategy, but greater is he who's within us than he who's in the world. Hang in there. God's got it all under control. He's going to do everything, work it together so that his name can be glorified. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you so much for reminding us through the Apostle Paul that there's so many ways that you move in our lives. We're so grateful to have you as Savior and King, and we're so grateful to have you as our safety net. You kind of remind us how we are to do what we do. And, Lord, we thank you And we can go and get Timothy, train him up and prepare him to go out. We're so grateful that we can minister to Lydia and she too can accept you as Savior and King. And then we're also so grateful that we can be sacrificial and go get the jailer who's in need of seeing the gospel as we tell them the gospel. May our hearts and minds be pure as we walk with you every step of the way. And we'll forever give your name the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.